Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Uh, welcome everyone, one and all, to our show. That is fun and happy. And doesn't, you don't even sound fun or happy. I'm like not convinced. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Get in the game. Get, get in. in the game. Ugh, okay. Oh, and then she hung up on oh, me. Oh shit. Oh, Jeff. What happened? Did Kate go away? Must have. Yep, there she is. Hi. How you doing? Did I like somehow slap hang up on you? <laughs> yes. All right, so Jeff, let's scratch all of that. Yeah, let's, nothing's happened let's so far, as far as anybody else is, is asking. We have absolutely not been recording for eight and a half minutes already. Stop outing us. What's that about? Mm. Um, nope. So Jeff, you're here. You're you're uh-huh. there. How's you know? What's up? How are you? How are your tits today? I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, Laura's here in hey. the background. Hi, Laura. <laughs> hello. Hello, this is my hello. sister. Hi, sister. How are you? She's. I'm good. I'm on fall break, so I decided to not live in a hot as balls Memphis and actually experience real fall. I was kind of wondering about that. I saw all you guys' pictures that you're like up there, and I'm like, isn't she supposed to be teaching? I low key thought you got fired. Glad you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Glad the the old job Thanks is safe. So much. I feel the concern. I feel like if you had gotten fired, like it probably would have been for being somehow related to this garbage bag show. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's why I keep it a secret. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret okay. show. Please don't tell anyone. Secret. Five-star review, don't though. Don't tell our employers. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Let's just let's get, just get to the point. Let's uh, right. chit chat is obviously not going well. <laughs> Our witty banter is not going to come. So, uh, um, so this is uh, obviously this podcast is haunted. If you couldn't tell by our brilliant repartee, <laughs> just delivering not- that low quality goodness you are used to. <laughs> so to, this week we are not talking about just like we're. We're, it's gonna get better, guys. Um, we're we're talking about Route sixty six. You know that one route from the Cars movie. Is it in the Cars yep. movie? I believe so. That's yeah. like the whole point of it, isn't it? The first one where it's like I've never flashy new car seen Cars sober. Like I've oh. seen it, but I've never seen okay. it not blown out of my mind. That makes sense. You know. I feel like that's probably the best way to see it. But like the whole like toe mater thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, Get her done. It's like, yeah, uh, it's big flashy city car comes to the country oh. and has to experience real America. Huh. It's a metaphor. I guess that makes sense. I feel like that lines up with roughly what I saw in that movie. I was yeah. really weirded out by Owen Wilson as a car and like... <laughs> like wow. did, he, did he say wow <laughs> I don't know uh, I would love to know for sure but unfortunately I was really only partially there and the rest of me was in the ether so yeah 
Oh, anyway. Okay. That's a movie that exists. So I just had to get it out of the way. Yeah. Route 66. I'm surprised you think of cars first. Maybe because I'm a very old lady. My first thing Mm -hmm. was uh, the Bobby Troop song. Get your kicks on Mm -hmm. Route 66. And I'm not even sure if that's how it goes or maybe that's like a remix. No, that's it. That's a song. We have a we have a, a Natalie Cole album that she does a version of it. It's very jazzy. Really? Yeah. The lady from the Dawson's Creek soundtrack? No. Is that not Natalie Cole? I didn't I didn't see Dawson's Creek, but she's Nat King Cole's daughter. Oh yeah, definitely nope, not the same. Not at all the same person. No. (laughs) And for the record, her name was Paula Cole, so you can see how I got lost there. Okay, well, uh, none of this is about our theme. (laughs) None of this is relevant. You want to fucking talk about our theme? It's Route 66 again. Let's get back on track. Uh, That track being Route 66. Tell us, tell us, Kate, about this. The history of Route 66. (laughs) Route 66 was established in 1926, and it was actually one of America's first highways. It was imagined Mm. as a superhighway, even though for the most part, it was only two to four lanes maximum. So what we would call- at the time- Oh, yeah, at the time. When cars, you know, when like Ford was still jerking off in Detroit- It was a Mm -hmm. revolutionary idea. And it played a huge role in American history, which we're going to talk about in just a hot second. Mm -hmm. But Well, and before that, like not long before then, there weren't really any transcontinental roads. Like it wasn't like too much before that, that there's, I don't know, there's there's like a bunch of dollop episodes about like the early car era. And there's like one where they had this whole like race across the yes. continental u.s and it was like insane so this was like basically the first time you could just go on a road trip across america exactly and now especially everybody think about how iconic to the american spirit the road trip is you know our mm-hmm. our obsession with yeah. cars much to our detriment the the way that you know it kind of captures our wanderlust and small town americana all of that mm-hmm. is based on Route 66. So she's a big deal. Um, She was designed, established 1926 by Cyrus Avery and John Woodruff, who imagined the superhighway. It connects Chicago to Los Angeles, and it's celebrated 90 years in 2016. Mm -hmm. It's often referred to as the Mother Road. Uh, John Steinbeck (laughs) uses that frequently in The Grapes of Wrath, along with the Road of Flight. During the Great Depression, it kind of loomed large in people's hopes and expectations of like, what can you find by moving down the road? Oh, God. What a, like, can I just say, though, what a frustrating book to read. I've never. <laughs> the whole time. You've never read it? I've never tried. Um, <laughs> so I, I got a, a, the option to read it. And somebody, as I was like about to select it, they were like, eh, somebody has no. to like be breastfed by their daughter. So. <gasps> And I decided that was too much for yeah. me. <laughs> that was, um, mm-hmm. that's that's a very uh, scarring scene in the book. And one that <laughs> we acted out in class. No, you did not. Because my friend Kyle is ridiculous. <laughs> but, but instead of uh, me having to play the poor do- breastfeeding daughter because that would be legit gross and creepy uh he decided to take on that role (laughs) and you got to breastfeed from kyle i don't remember 
but it was very awkward and I yeah. would pay ten million dollars for a time machine to go back in time yeah. and watch high school Jen have to do that. I mean, <laughs> it's it's one of my most vivid memories from high school. That's glorious. Oh, it's burned in my memory. Anyway, that book sucks, but most of us had to read it in high school. And the whole time I was reading it, I was like, there's nothing for you there. Dramatic irony is so, it's so thick that you can just like tell the entire time that what's going to happen. And yeah, and yep, they get to the end and there's nothing. And you're like, cool, I could have told you this 300 pages ago. Meanwhile, uh, want to pull it surprise. So what do we know? Well, yeah. What do they Jesus. know? Well, um, wow, yeah. Uh, I can't stop thinking about you trying to breastfeed from a guy named Kyle. So <laughs> that's really where I'm fixated right now. Uh, <laughs> so, um, right. So during the Great Depression. <laughs> nope. I'm going to get away from the Great Depression. Let's talk about how the fact that between Chicago and L.A. is over 2,400 uh-huh. miles or for our non-imperial system friends that's 3862 kilometers it's far what it's it's a long time it's a a long ways it's a long ass haul y'all ah yeah that was cute it's almost impossible to drive the length of it today because it's been really chopped up during Mm -hmm. the urban sprawl of the 80s especially but Mm -hmm. you know during its its heydays uh the 20s through the 60s and 70s it made small towns boom and prosper it also where you know when the road changed like i said it gets chopped up when the road moved away and route 66 was no longer the path that went by your town it could create ghost towns which are separate Mm -hmm. from some of the ghost stories we're going to tell today right yeah i looked at some of those and i was like i mean i know what a ghost town is but i was still kind of hoping that right just like be legit haunted a town of ghosts but but no we're let down every time yeah Especially, we're going to go back, we're going to try this again, especially during the Great Depression, it was a big sign of hope. If you, you know, during the Great Depression, uh, were affected by the Dust Bowl. The Dust Bowl states were those states that were largely the center of Route 66. So it represented hope that you could go to California where things were more prosperous and find Mm -hmm. something better for yourself and your family. It and also, then you got there and you had to breastfeed an old man. Right. Okay. You brought us back. We were making headway and you brought us back to this teat of evil. Okay. So, are you done? Well, I don't know. Are you going to keep bringing up traveling to California during the Dust Bowl? Because that's my trigger. Okay. Let's. How about we leave it alone? So. One of the things that intrigued me about Route 66, and this is one of the reasons that I selected this, was that it's a very iconic symbol of the American spirit. I touched on that a second ago, but Mm -hmm. here's some of the things that play into that. Jen, if I have to say the word Dust Bowl, I need you to keep it together. (laughs) All right. Okay. Back in 1926, the road was so long and it went over such varied terrain that it was considered an engineering marvel when it was finished. And kind of in that 1920s, American expansion feel. It was considered sort of a highlight of American innovation and industry. Not to mention our, our you know, basically made to service our dominant industry, <laughs> our mm-hmm. Do- mm-hmm. Uh, the automobile, of course. It has, it takes you through some of America's most beautiful scenery. It's a focal point for our spirit of wanderlust and restless energy in America. There's mm-hmm. very much this feel 
kind of that American dream. You're going to go, you're going to strike it out, make it on your own. Do you feel like we're losing some of that as a nation? I mean, Instagram's making it have a comeback, I think, but... Maybe. It's more, like, focused on, like, Iceland than the West, I think. I think that's fair. They still have fairies in Iceland, so we gotta try. It also, it connects city cultures to the desert, mountain, and prairie. It opened up uh, and gave a variety of choice. You can do anything along the way. You can stop at any time. You can start a new life in a new town, start, have a new name, Try start over. You're not limited by trains and planes and, you know, who's checking on who. And mm-hmm. It also has different meanings to different generations. In the 20s, like I said, it was American innovation. In the 30s, better times by moving down the road. In the 40s, <laughs> shut oh, up, Jen, so keep close. it together. Keep so it together. <laughs> In the 40s, the American spirit and drive and what we could accomplish. Uh, The 50s, reckless differences, the beatnik generation moving around. The Mm. 60s, American wanderlust, flower power. And then, you know, the power of cars. And then the 70s, easy riders uh, Mm. taking to motorcycles, that counterculture again. It also opened the interior of America. This is... I know we probably, nobody, everybody who listens to us is super smart and beautiful, so I don't really need to say this, but America's real fucking big. Yeah. It's so big. Like, it really, it kind of boggles the mind how fucking big America is. And uh, there's... Unless you're from Canada. (laughs) That's, or Russia, or Brazil, but yes. Yeah, you know, that's whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's enormous. Um, And so when you... When you think about America, often you think about the big cities, L.A., New York, Chicago. But a lot of people, my, myself included, would probably argue that the interior of America, those little small towns, are just as important, if not more important, because they're common people who are living there, you know, a little bit more along the lines of John Cougar Mellencamp as opposed mm-hmm. to Alexander Hamilton. Sure, it's what uh, coastal elites call flyover territory. Yes. It's honestly, speaking as a person who has a lot of Great Lakes around her, uh, I get real snooty about the interior of the country, too. They have swimming lakes, but those are just ponds. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm real picky about that. Mm -hmm. A big part of the American spirit, of course, it comes up in a couple different places. Cars, like you said, the Mm -hmm. film that I, I should watch sober. The Bobby Troop song? No, you really don't need to. (laughs) Give it a miss. So anyway, uh, Route 66 also shows up in the movie Rain Man, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise. The TV show, it actually had a TV show, Route 66. It was pretty well received, actually. ran from 1960 to 1964. And today is considered one of America's most artistic shows of that era. And of course, it shows up in that douche canoe book, On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Guys, if any of you sit down and tell me that your favorite books are On the Road by Jack Kerouac, Perks of Being a Wallflower, or or, fucking Catcher in the Rye, go ahead and cancel my subscription to your friendship. You're probably an asshat. (laughs) I okay. If those are your favorite books, then yes. Those are those books are about whiny men being whiny. Yeah. Like, but like he was like so deep and catch from the eye. It's just like 
Oh, Everybody's such a phonies, phony. You know? If I ever, yeah. like, it ruined the word phonies for me, honestly, which yeah. is objectively a hilarious and amazing word. Phonies. I it sounds great. I highly recommend a separate piece to supplement your. If like if you're gonna cut catch the rye out of your life, a separate piece I think is a good substitution. Hmm. It's a microcosm for World War II. <laughs> Okay, that's All enough. Right, that's about enough from the NPR literature. book hour. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when you, before when you were like transcontinental road and uh, mm-hmm. old timey car races? Mm-hmm. This is my favorite story from the the whole thing right now. Um, <gasps> in weird. 1928, two years after she opened, a Cherokee man whose name was Andy Payne ran. Mm-hmm. You heard me, ran <gasps> the length of the entire Route 66, 25. Won $25,000, which uh, is the same as 356000 today. And wow. it was all a foot race. He ran it. He won it. And mm. uh, just that's what he did. He just ran from Chicago to L.A. like it was fucking nothing. Wow. Wow. I know. That I can kind of get excited about. So, yeah, she shows up in pop culture. She's a big damn deal. Uh, Along the way, if you were to travel, you're going to see a lot of American kitsch, which is Mm -hmm. one of the greatest artistic movements that America's ever come up with. It's certainly one of them. (laughs) Out of all the American artistic movements, American kitsch is one of them. If you guys can picture, for example, that long-running joke in most comedies, oh, we're going on a road trip, I can't wait to see... The largest ball of twine, you know, these roadside attractions yes. or uh, mm-hmm. grandma's rocking chair, some, you know, some stuff like that. Route 66 has a lot of them. I wrote down a couple. The Cozy Dog Drive-In, the original home of the hot dog on a stick. That is a... Is that a corn dog? It's No, it doesn't seem like it. It's not dipped in a batter. It's literally okay. just the first time we thought to put street food on a stick to be eaten um. in a car. And Got it. that okay. is a cultural debt to where, you know, we have no, no reciprocal, like we cannot pay that cultural debt. Mm-hmm. Fast food on a stick. That's what we do here. Um, there's also the meteor crater near Flagstaff, Arizona, a two and a half mile wide crater that struck the earth in her earliest days. <laughs> Giganticus Hedicus, which is mm-hmm. for absolutely no reason at all on the side of the road, a 14 foot tiki head in the middle of Oklahoma. <laughs> Well, you know. You know. Why not? As as one does. They also have the Cadillac Ranch. So this is in Texas. It's literally 10 Cadillacs buried kind of in the ground, nose down, that have been covered in graffiti. Okay. Why? (laughs) But why is the question and nobody would answer. Because Uh, America. That's right. They also have a number of small hotels along the way. I think one of them is lightly referenced in that Cars movie. It's called the Wigwam Motel. Mm-hmm. And each room of this motel is actually a freestanding 30-foot round teepee, which uh, when they call it the mm-hmm. Wigwam Motel, but then they stick mm-hmm. everybody in teepees, they make Kate real mad. <laughs> well, you know, we've always, like, one of the most deeply American things is being super racist, so... <laughs> and just sort of ignorant about Native Americans. Yeah. Also, today's Christopher Columbus Day, or... More correctly, Indigenous Resistance Day. Guys, we're glad you're here. Buzu. Yep. And Miigwech. You're probably not glad we're here. Uh, but sorry. Sorry. <laughs> On behalf of all white people, 
We're sorry. They also have one of my favorite attractions that I long to get to in my life, the Petrified Forest National Park in Arizona. Yeah, that place is super cool. It do is. not steal any of the petrified wood. Just leave it there. Right, just, just leave it there. It. Just, Jesus just Christ. leave it there, guys. Come on. Um, and so, uh, you know, she looms large, this road in American history and, and American culture. It's, uh, it's a shame that really since the 80s, she's very rarely traveled on. Uh, mostly mm-hmm. everything is super highways now, whereas Route 66, you would have to be taking the scenic highways or the blue highways. Book recommendation, Blue Highways by William Least Heat Moon, discusses some of those like back roads and what William Least Heat Moon found on them. It's from the late 70s, early 80s. Hmm. Good, good book. Wow. So that's what I've got. That's the history. That's what you got. That's what, okay, that's well, everything I'm going to give you anyway. Well, for now. So we, we didn't gather you all here just for a, a nostalgic talk about about, road trips about a long ass I feel like we should probably we probably should have done this like right before summer that would have been a good time oh now i'm sad Aww. well who doesn't love a good fall road trip but so uh, i wanted to find some some good old ghost stories yay about, yeah so we're gonna start at the very beginning of the Let's start the at the very beginning it's a very good place to start. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jen, you know what that's from, right? Yeah, of course I know what it's from. I just had to like build in that. Like I, I set it up for you. So I just oh, like, okay. let I it thought, happen. I thought for a second you were like, why is this bitch doing this? I'm like, because you left the door wide open. I did. Anyway, I'm going to stop said, cutting you off. Come in. Come in, Kate. <laughs> to this door. So I'm going to start in Chicago. <laughs> Chicago, boo! We hate it. Oh, no, I like Chicago. Mm. Step off. Yep, so Chicago is where it starts, and it doesn't really, like, scream, like, Route 66 Americana, but you know what? Suck it. That's where it starts. And, but this is, this story is something that you do hear a lot of in tales and in, in urban legends of the long road, and that is... A phantom hitchhiker. Ooh, classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this story comes from 1920s Chicago. So just very Roxy Hart. Just think that. And Chicago was a in the 1920s was a pretty wild time. It's very well known for that. So this was there was a bunch of uh, clubs. One such place was uh, called the Melody Mill Ballroom. And it's uh, located where it used to be. It doesn't exist anymore. We located on DePlain Avenue. And it was a popular night spot at the time. And it was also for years the site of frequent sightings of a young flapper who was seen leaving the ballroom, flagging down a car, and disappearing into the night. Is the car a ghost too? Or... Does she flap down? Does she flap down? Does she flag down a real people car, get in, and then just disappear? I I don't know. I feel like it's kind of unclear about whether or not it was a phantom car because there's definitely also stories about people picking up a woman and like real people picking her up and then she disappears. Hmm. So I don't know, but yeah. So she was seen frequently at that club. And then they see her leaving and she gets into a car 
sometimes real, maybe sometimes not. I don't know. She's been described as a woman with smooth features, a brunette bob, and an extravagant uh, flapper dress, climbs into a car and rides down to Plain Avenue. Sometimes she would tell the driver to drop her off at 1800 South Harlem Avenue, which happens to be, um, or, or did, because this location doesn't exist anymore either, but it used to be the caretaker's house at the Jewish Waldheim Cemetery, which does still exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so upon arriving, she would get out of the car and run into the cemetery and just disappear among the tombstones. Hmm. There were sightings of her most commonly during the 1933 Century of Progress Expo and the years leading up to World War II and then again in the 70s. So a lot of people have tried to kind of pin down whether or not this is actually like feasibly true or if it's just an urban legend. I mean, there's so many different stories of phantom hitchhikers getting into cars and then disappearing that it's easy to see how this could just kind of be borrowed from another location and co-opted to fit especially well i mean they don't have to work that hard because chicago's most famous ghost is a female hitchhiker really are you not familiar with resurrection mary oh oh you know what they mentioned her yeah so the story of resurrection mary just briefly Mm -hmm. so she is a young woman usually dressed very uh in like a pretty formal white gown she is Mm -hmm. described as i believe having blonde hair and light eyes as opposed to a blue brunette and i've Mm -hmm. always gotten the impression that well i've never heard the word flapper associated with her and that was such a specific thing yeah. that you would have it's not just a 1920s woman but it's like a specific type of look right so women went for apparently she she's hitchhiking she gets in your car sometimes she'll kiss the man sometimes she won't and mm-hmm. they ask she asks to be dropped off near her home uh mm-hmm. her first sighting um way back in 19 like 39th uh 1940 somewhere somewhere in that era after the great depression but before the uh outbreak of world war one though they went on like a whole date this this hitchhiker got into this guy's car and they had this like magnificent connection and they danced and they they made out and she was like take me home to my Mm -hmm. parents not like take me home and then she exits the car in front of Resurrection Cemetery. That's where she gets the name, Resurrection Mary. Right, okay. And she disappears in front of his eyes. Right, okay. Yeah, This. okay, so the site I was, I forgot that they mentioned her because they were trying to figure out if it's, if this is a separate story or if it's just another version of the Resurrection Mary story. Yeah. And I think they pointed to the fact that they're associated with different cemeteries. Yes, the Jewish um, cemetery as opposed to Resurrection Cemetery. That's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, she's also definitely described as having, you know, a bobbed brunette hair. So it's, you know, that's a different yeah. look than the blonde, you know, woman that I look like on the weekends. <laughs> right. Um, right. <laughs> no, but, I would I would think those are two separate I, ghosts. That's very interesting. Yeah, but they're so similar. Like, part of me still does wonder if they just kind of, like, co-opted it for the Jewish cemetery. Well, I I feel like if they're co-opting it from the Jewish... Yeah, yeah, making her light hair and and light-eyed, maybe. 
I yeah. mean, Jewish people were not held in high regard at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's still some bullshit that yeah. you gotta deal with. Yeah. Assholes with tiki torches. Yeah. Hmm. So there was one guy who was writing a book, Troy Taylor, um, and he was trying to figure out if this is like a real person that he can trace it to. So a lot of times when people think of ghosts and they they try to logic why someone would be a ghost, it's because it has a lot of times something to do with the manner of their death and like if it was traumatic or that kind of thing. And they think that they just kind of like tend to reenact their last hours or last day or whatnot. So he looked into it and there was, I mean, I'm sure there were numerous regulars at the Melody Mills Ballroom in the 20s, but there was one woman in particular who was a regular and who died of peritonitis as a result of a burst appendix. Oh, that's a a bad way way. Yeah. This woman was also buried in Waldheim Cemetery. And so it's it could be possible that she's reenacting her last night alive or something. It's, you know, that she went to go out dancing and got a ride home and went home as if nothing was wrong and then just suddenly and violently fell ill and died tragically. Wow. So, yeah. That or she's just reenacting, like, when she was happiest. That's another theory. After her passing, or, like, after the, if, you know, if this is who it is, there were multiple staff members at the Melody Mill who reported seeing the young woman at the ballroom, and a number of men claimed to have met the girl there and offered her a ride home. During the journey, she would just vanish from the car, which would be a little unsettling. Yes. (laughs) But they also uh, spoke with the actual people who did live in the the caretaker's house at the cemetery before it was torn down. And according to the, whenever this happened, they didn't even give a date for when they talked to this person, but according to them, there had never been a, a woman like that who had ever lived in the house. So I don't know. That's Um, really interesting. Yeah. So like most of the sightings were in the thirties and yeah, I guess it's just in the 30s, really. But in, I guess, 1973, there was a family visiting the cemetery who claimed to have seen a woman dressed like a flapper who disappeared as she walked towards a crypt. Huh. Yeah. Well, I love that you uh, got to tell a flapper story because that's so your bag. Yeah, that is definitely... That's your era. That's my era. I'm just built like a flapper. Just you know surfboard it's true you would have looked amazing in all the downtown abbey costumes (gasps) oh boy would i (laughs) so i i read that story and i loved it because it's my era but i was also kind of thinking like this isn't like the most like route 66 story that i feel like i've ever read so i I looked for another one Mm mm-hmm and this one is also not exactly on Route 66, so sue me. But it is <laughs> from about a hotel in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is close enough. Honestly, um, there it's oh, Santa Fe, Route 66 ran through Santa Fe. And hotels and motels on the side of any road were a big deal. Yeah. Route okay. 66. So like the maps I was looking at said that it went south of Santa Fe. So I didn't think. Well, remember, I said that the roads changed a lot. 
Oh, okay. So it depends on which part you're looking at. Um, for okay. Ex- like the thing that I'm going to talk about was only on Route 66 for like 25 years. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. I feel like Santa Fe would be like a good destination on your Route 66 road trip. And this particular hotel was a destination for a lot longer than the history of Route 66. And it's located in the historic district on East San Francisco Street, and it has been the home to some sort of inn since Santa Fe was founded in 1607. Holy shit, Santa Fe is that old? I guess so. We're talking 1607? like 1607? I guess. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I cuz mm-hmm. like Detroit was 1701, like wow. Wow. Yeah, so this place has a very long history. It, when it was founded in 1607, uh it was it that site ori- was the original site of an inn where they also had a court <laughs> where prisoners were held and executed. Sure. <laughs> so that's that's going to be a fun it's place to Already stay. not a great way to start yeah. your vacation. Yeah. Prisoners were hanged in an area that is now the hotel lobby. Great. Woo-hoo. You know, someplace where we're also putting a butt ton of energy. Yeah. Great. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doesn't this make you want to go there already? Oh, I didn't say what the name is. This is La Fonda Hotel. La Fonda? Not like one word like from Napoleon Dynamite, but like Spanish, La Fonda. Oh, well, fine. Which means... The fountain? Oh, the inn? Oh, okay. (laughs) Apparently. According to this website, anyway, I apologize if I got it wrong. La Fonda. Um, (laughs) I I didn't really think about that until I said that out loud. But here we are. I'm so glad Napoleon Dynamite is still funny 15 years later. It is. It It really is. Yeah. Okay, so over the years, the building on that site was destroyed and rebuilt several times so it's like in no way shape or form the original building in 1821 captain william becknell blazed a path that would become known as the santa fe trail uh he stayed at a la fonda not the one that is currently there where the trail terminated in the sound central plaza as santa fe became more of a destination it became a popular place for travelers, trappers, traders, mountain men, soldiers, politicians, you know, all the things. Young boys from the Bronx um, who were members of a striking gang of newsies. Yeah, you know. Santa Fe. All right, I'm sorry. Yep. It's also, you know, a ragtag group of 1990s uh, New York City misfits just uh, mm-hmm. who were looking to open up a restaurant. Yeah. Every time you say Santa Fe, I almost burst into song. So I'm really struggling okay, well, over here. Oh, well, you had one. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> In 1848, uh, New Mexico became a territory. Uh, the inn was purchased by Anglo-Americans who renamed it the U.S. Hotel because we've always been known for our creativity. <laughs> one of the main features of this new hotel was a gambling hall that entertained military officers and the occasional professional gambler and allegedly one unfortunate person lost his life in 1857 at the quote and this is where it grosses me out because of my deal at the end of a rope strung up in the hotel's backyard by a lynch mob (sighs) yeah 
So it doesn't, it like lynch mob, I feel like has obvious connotations, but it doesn't particularly mention the race of this person. So, right. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's possible he just made a lot of people angry <laughs> from gambling. Yeah. Well, if he's cheating. Yeah. So in 1867, the Honorable John P. Sloud, Chief Justice of the Territorial Supreme Court, was shot to death in the hotel lobby. Hmm. Yeah. Apparently he was in a feud with Captain Reinerson, a member of the Territorial Legislature, who Slough had called a liar and a thief, to which I say he only lied about being a thief. Um, <laughs> couldn't resist. Reinerson shot Slough, who later died of his wounds. Reinerson was tried and later acquitted. Wow. So, yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, justice. That, that weird kind of half-assed getting... American justice. <sighs> Stay positive. Don't think about the Supreme Court. Okay. The <laughs> later... Amen. So uh, later, the hotel was sold again and was renamed the Exchange Hotel, which operated under that name for the next six decades. And at one point, at least over a century ago, according to the article, a distraught salesman allegedly lost his company's money in a card game. Oh. Yeah. Jumped to his death down a deep well that is located just outside the gambling hall in what is now in the current hotel the dining room okay so here's my opinion about people who throw themselves down wells in the desert uh Mm -hmm. if you're gonna kill yourself how about you not ruin everybody else's drinking supply while you do it well i guess it depends on the town and how mad i was at them (laughs) i guess i uh yeah i uh I mm-hmm. now I'm picturing the movie The Ring and it's very unsettling. I don't I don't like dead bodies in water. Yeah. That's like that, my That was thing. the first movie to really fuck me up. So the, the horse? Good times. The horse in the boat? <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So the the current La Fonda was built on this site in 1922. In 1925 it was purchased by a railroad company who leased it to the Harvey House chain of hotels. Ooh, there's another great musical, Harvey Girls, with Judy Garland and Angela Lansbury. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's basically the history of the hotel. Uh, it's obviously rumored to house several ghosts, including Judge Slough, who is said to still wander the halls. That same salesman who jumped down the well has been seen wandering through the dining room where the well used to be. And he walks into the center of the room and seems to jump into the floor, disappearing from view. That would fuck me up. If I saw that, I would freak the fuck out. Mm -hmm. There are other figures that have been seen wandering the halls. There is an apparition that haunts the Santa Fe room. Uh, And these don't even like merit stories. There's just like, yeah, you know, there's this one and that one and this one. Um, And there's a ghost and there you go. (laughs) Yeah. And... Then in the 1970s, a guest called to the front desk to complain that someone was walking up and down the hallway in the f- in front of his room. When an employee was sent to investigate, he saw a tall man in a long black coat disappear into a stairwell. When the employee followed him, though, there was no one there. <laughs> that's that's La Fonda. La Fonda, La Fonda of Hotel. Santa Fe. That mm-hmm. is very cool. Slash, I will not be staying there. Reminds me of that uh, 1408, room 1408. 
Mm-hmm. Or 16. There's been some like other, I feel like somewhat recently I saw like a video of like hotel surveillance that had some very like unsettling things in it. And it was like someone called the front desk to be like, there's someone banging on my door or something. And either there was no one there. Yes, or there, like, I heard was, that. There was like screaming this? in the room and you could hear it on surveillance. And oh, they send oh, the police the up room. there. <gasps> yes. yes, they send the police. The sheriff comes up, you know, a member of the a member of the police comes up trying to respond to a domestic disturbance call. I think this was mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. And they have to break through the door. The keys don't seem to work, as I recall. And when they get in there, the room is completely fucked in complete disarray. But nobody's in there. Oh, my God. It was on, like, the fifth floor of the hotel. And there's no, you know, those windows don't open. Yeah, you can't get out. Oh, my God. I know, right? Ooh. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. And it's... Guys, we'll find that and we'll post it to the discussion group. And Mm -hmm. not to our general page, though. Like our page, by all means, but come join the discussion group if you want to see the cool stuff. Yeah, basically, our page is is just for updates on episodes now. Right. (laughs) They keep yelling me to put content on there. I'm like, no. (laughs) Tough, Facebook. We have a discussion group now. We're better than you. Yeah, I don't care. Oh, well, that is awesome. I do love a haunted hotel. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so... Would you like me to go forward with mine? Yep. Okay. Yep, I'm good. Before we start, mm-hmm. uh, I'd just like to put a quick trigger warning out there. We're going to be talking about suicide. So if this is not for you, go ahead and mm-hmm. uh, continue forward. I promise not to be overly charming or witty. So you won't miss anything. It's just a sad story. Mm-hmm. If you need to tune out, like we put this story last so that you could listen to the whole rest of the episode and then just say, Goodbye. Yeah. See you in a fortnight. Absolutely. So if, if that's for you, then thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Absolutely. While I have your attention, we all have a hand to play in suicide prevention. So if you need to talk to someone or text someone, I'm going to encourage you to, and not only for yourself, uh, reach out to the suicidepreventionlifeline.org. You can get resources there as well as chat live with somebody. You can call them at 1-800-273-TALK, which is 8255 If you need help, if you need resources for someone else, or if you wish to be a volunteer, there's a lot of good work you guys can do. So check them out. You could be the next Ted Bundy. Unless... Sorry. Too much? (laughs) Sorry, what was that? Ted Bundy. Oh, that's right. Crisis Hotline. Yes, he did. With Anne Rule, right? He and Anne Rule worked side by side. Yeah, I'm I'm actually listening to The Stranger Beside Me on Audible. So, uh, yep. Fantastic. All right. So what I want to talk to you about is colloquially known as the Pasadena Suicide Bridge. This is Pasadena, California, which is roughly where Route 66 terminates when it hits uh, Southern California. So you might know Pasadena as being like the home of Disney World, like Pasadena, Anaheim area. Mm -hmm. Disney World, sorry, Disneyland. You've seen and heard it in a lot of other things. So it's called the Pasadena Suicide Bridge, but its formal name is the Colorado Boulevard Bridge. And this bridge is stunning. Like, it's objectively beautiful. I want you guys to look up pictures. Of course, we'll share some. But it was built in 1912. It was Mm -hmm. completed in 1913. It has, it's a suspended arch bridge. 
and uh, its expansion. It's quite long, over 1,500 feet, 150 feet at its tallest. So it, it spans an Arroyo Canyon, the Arroyo Seco, and, you know, it's quite a, quite a long drop. What's also interesting about this bridge is that it curves. It's not just, boop, straight across. It has a very beautiful, graceful curve, so you can kind of, like, appreciate the arroyo as you go over it. Mm. It is on the National Register of Historic Places, as well as the national, it's considered a National Historic Civil Engineering Landmark. So, seriously, this bridge is fucking beautiful. (laughs) And it's possible you've actually already seen it. Jen, did you ever watch the reruns of the show Emergency? Uh, no. <laughs> oh. They were sort of a precursor to Rescue 911. Mm. That was a great show. But you're that was on in the 80s, and you're probably too young for that, aren't you? Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <sighs> so sad. Anyway, so the show Emergency did film one episode there showing a boy trapped on a bridge. This is more... Here we go. Here we go, Jen. This is for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that you super loved the show Survivor. Oh, hell yeah. Loved. Still love. It's it, still on. It's still, still on. great. Arguably, it's better than it used to be. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Well, mm-hmm. the, sister sh- the sister show to Survivor, I think the other one that Mark Burnett produced was called The Amazing Race. Hell yeah. Love Did, The Amazing Race. Uh, I knew this one was for you. So episode <laughs> or season 21. How have there been okay. 21 have seasons? Not, I have not been watching that much. Well, their first event was to rappel down the bridge, the 150 Ooh. feet, to their waiting cars below. Okay. I've never I seen would, that show. I would rappel. I would not bungee jump. I'm so glad you said bungee jump. Because oh, no. this is really... More people will have seen this. Do you remember? Oh, no. Did you watch the show Full House? Yes. Do you remember of course I did. when Jesse and Becky go bungee jumping <gasps> for the morning show? Yes. Is that this bridge? That's the bridge. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. For those of you playing the at-home game, that's season eight. And you can Google full house bungee jumping scene and get a very, very, very terrible (laughs) run of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody shot it on a moving, like off a television while they're moving Mm -hmm. their phone around a whole lot. So it'll make you a little queasy. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. So Jesse and and Becky uh, went bungee jumping off of that beautiful Mm -hmm. bridge. More upsetting. Mm Mm-hmm. Over a hundred people have committed suicide on that bridge. Wow. This started actually all the way... Well, the first death was actually not a suicide. It was an accident. In 1912, a construction worker toppled off the edge of the bridge into the support structure uh, that was being laid below, 150 feet down into wet cement. Mm -hmm. It's a soft landing, but... You know, the the cement continued to be poured on top of him. They were laying it as they went, and they knew that they couldn't get to him in time, so they allowed him to die and be entombed in the support structure of this bridge. My God. It is apparently a real story. I couldn't find anything to contradict and say, nah, that didn't happen. There seems to actually be other Mm construction-related deaths, but that one was the most infamous. Wow. That's I mean, can you think about being on this team, watching somebody go over, Seeing that they're probably alive, but knowing that you won't be able to get to them on time, so you make the decision to just let them lie there. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's it's a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. And so so that was the first. They say that that did result in a ghost. 
possibly one that's kind, trying to help people off the bridge, possibly one that's malicious and leading more people to their death. Hmm. Well, that's not great. That's, that's not great. It actually has continued in more recent years. In 2008, it was the site of the suicide of Walter Garcia, age 38, immediately after he murdered his ex-girlfriend, Damaris Quiles, who was 35 years old, along with her mother, Carmen. Fortunately, she had just dropped their son, their six-year-old son, off at school. I do also want to mention that uh, following their, their breakup over the past three weeks, she had actually gone to get a restraining order against him, and a fat lot of good that did. We don't do enough for women who have restraining orders against violent men. Mm-hmm. As soon as he stabbed those two women to death, Carmen was found dead on the scene. Damaris was declared dead later. He went and he threw himself off the bridge. The most famous murder, uh, suicide, was actually during the Great Depression. Apparently over 50 souls during the Great Depression threw themselves off of this bridge because it was the end of the road. Uh, Route 66, Mm -hmm. with its infamous promises, yielded nothing for them. And And they made it to California and they found nothing. They found nothing. Except titties. Jen, this is suicide talk. You have to be nice. (laughs) <laughs> you can't lighten it up with running gags about breastfeeding. I just, I'm sorry, but I've been sitting on that all episode <laughs> since you said that. I just have to. <sighs> Jesus Christ, Jeffiner. Yes. <laughs> so of the over 100 people who committed suicide, over 50 of them were during the Great Depression. I the mean, most, yeah, that makes sense. The most distressing was mm-hmm. actually a woman. Mm-hmm. Her name, This uh, she was 22 years old. Her name was Myrtle Ward. And she, this was May 1st of 1933, took her three-year-old daughter, Jeanette. And there, her plan was that both of them should be in the afterlife together. So she picked uh, Jeanette up, took her to the bridge, threw her over, and then quickly jumped oh herself. No. Oh, no. The good news, Jeanette survived. Oh. By a miracle okay. chance... She ended up in a tall tree, and she Mm -hmm. was able to effectively bump her way gently to the ground with no long-term damage. She had a series of scratches. Her mother was not so lucky. a lifetime of emotional trauma. (laughs) Right. Uh, Which doesn't really say what she did after that. But her name is spray-painted on the support structures of the bridge, and anytime somebody removes it, somebody goes back and, and repaints it. Huh. Underneath that bridge, there's actually a large camp of transient people. Homeless. I don't, there's, I, I think there's probably better words to use. I'm going to stick with transient, but I didn't want you guys to not know what I was talking about. Right. Apparently at night, they hear the sounds of people falling and screaming oh, and no. voices changing, kind of that Doppler effect, like, oh, oh no. It's apparently it's one of the hardest places to sleep, but it's also one of the driest. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a toss-up. Do you stay warm and dry, or do you listen to people being terrorized by their final moments? Oh, my God. Awful. Oh. So there's a number of ghosts that are said to haunt this bridge. Some of them they have experiences for. For example, Myrtle Ward walks along the canyon underneath, mm-hmm. shouting for the baby who did not follow her. Oh, man. There's another man who walks along, angrily storming along the bridge, and when he runs into a living person who's walking along, he mumbles at them, it's all her fault. Mm. And then he disappears. Oh, no. 
And most commonly, the soul that is seen most commonly is a man in early 1900s attire wearing wire rim glasses. Mm-hmm. It is distinctly possible that he's the bridge's first victim, the man who got entombed forever. Wow, yeah. Right? In mm. <laughs> the, the Pasadena Suicide Bridge, absolutely fucking terrifying while still being incredibly beautiful. And so it's kind of pitch perfect for this show. I hope you guys all get a chance to look at some of the photos. That went really fast, mm-hmm. even though I had two pages worth of notes. Well, you know. I hope I'm not letting anybody talk down. About <laughs> full house some more. <laughs> uh, okay, so Laura, you're our special guest today. Yay! All right, so okay. Laura... You're going to read our special story, which is called a listener story. And I could remember that the whole time. It's 9.01, so I'm 30 minutes from bedtime, falling apart. Woo-woo. All right, we're ready? I am. Yeah. I picked out this one because it sounded slightly lighthearted, but I haven't read through it, so have fun. I see Snapchat. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Hi, ladies. I discovered your podcast recently, and I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you guys discuss dissect creepy history as a theater nerd who also enjoys a good ghost story i was thrilled yeah because there's not many of us i've checked <laughs> any hoozle i feel like that's not true <laughs> judging by how much i've we've talked about haunted theater but you know whatever welcome to the club if, also, if nothing else our vibe attracts our tribe there you go and i'm really enjoying the transition of any hoozle fabulous me too that's a great phrase i thought I think I might borrow it. Not yeah, gonna lie. that's absolutely by all means. I thought I would share a story of an experience I had last year in a house I no longer, thankfully, live in. A bit of a history or lack thereof on this house. It was built in 2002 in a normal development, not your average. <gasps> is this an early odds ghost? Hell um, yeah! I love oh, an early. Is... Well, hang on, it's kind of early to be calling it a ghost for 2002. Okay, well, so I have certain assumptions when people write into this show. It feels very Broken Harbor to me right now. Broken oh. Harbor. Okay, great book. This is a part of the Dublin Murder Squad series that I got Laura hooked on. I highly recommend it. It's by Tana French, and that is one of the books in the series. Nice, okay. Good enough that you'll interrupt an old lady at a coffee shop to say that that book is really good. Not gonna lie. Done that. The first book in the series really reminds me of Broadchurch, so if that's your vibe, go for it. That is my vibe. Alrighty. Not your average grounds for a haunting. My parents and I lived there for about 11 years and odd happenings that I would brush off would constantly go down. A few examples. Footsteps could be heard day and night walking in my parents' room and up the stairs from the garage. This was basically daily. Sometimes it would just be a few steps. Sometimes it would sound like someone pacing. Ooh. Yeah, creepy. I would always attribute this to this house settling, Mm -hmm. which I do regularly. So if this is real, I am for shiz terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always it's, the house settling. It's definitely, yeah, it's just the house settling. Don't worry about it. Wink. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Things would go missing, and one day, as a teen, I came home from school okay, to find all my posters taken down from the wall lying on the floor. Throughout my whole life, I have been halfway between skeptic and believer, so I would sage regularly, trying to clear the space, but at the same time, tried not to think about it too much. Better than me. 
After smudging, the feeling of being watched would go away for a few hours, and slowly I would begin to feel it again. One night that stayed with me happened about two years ago, when I was staying home alone for the weekend while my parents were in Lake Tahoe. The first night went smoothly enough until it was time for me to turn in after a strenuous night of watching theater talk and getting high alone. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what I'm hearing is I could fucking hang. Like, that's... Yeah. This is like, a good real time. friends alert. We literally <laughs> just rewatched the Crucible cast party video. So good. So good. So good. Crystal cast party. Okay. Was that an Special SNL skit? On? Yes. Yes. Very watch. Yes. When uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda was on it. That's right. That's right. Okay. So she added some special instructions for us. Don't smoke weed in a haunted house. Yep. Do not do that. As I crawled into bed and donning my sleep mask, I began to drift off. As I was falling asleep, I could see from under my mask what seemed to be like a shadow figure pacing back and forth in front of my bed. Nope. Nope. Not, nope. Nope. Not into it. Nope. Don't like that nope, at nope, all. Nope. I closed my eyes tight and tried to will myself to fall asleep. Then I felt two fingers. Nope. Mm. No. No. Oh, no. Two fingers did what? Two fingers did Tap. what? tap rapidly on my curled up fist that was clutching the covers for dear life fuck my life fuck my life there is my absolutely no way my new favorite thing is making laura read scary stories <laughs> jesus fuck okay no like physical squirming so bad physical okay. touch that's a really bad yeah. sign this went on for about 30 seconds that I must have passed out figuratively or literally because at this point I was like, okay, yeah, this shit is haunted as hell. The next morning I woke up and felt kind of stupid for freaking out so much. It was probably just my brain spasming as one can as you fall asleep. No big deal. Right, In right. my newfangled relaxed state, I decided to pull out my phone <laughs> to take a snap. As I played the snap... No. <laughs> no. Yes, do it. Do okay. it. Okay. As I played the Snapchat back to myself to pick a filter, I'm millennial trash. A clear voice of a young girl could be heard whispering loudly. Okay. Wait, this is the morning that this is happening still? I'm sorry. Because originally... Sorry, wait. Hang on. Sorry. I am a millennial, but I'm an old millennial. So An elder millennial. (laughs) Well, ditto here. Explain to me for just a hot second... So, like, she took a Snapchat video of, like, hey, everybody, good morning. And then she went yeah. to watch it, and she heard a what now? A voice. So, like, when you play, like, when you're picking the filters, it, it'll replay over and over and again. And she heard a young girl's voice <gasps> whispering loudly. No. That's yeah. too much. Leave your so, home. <laughs> she's Pack she, your bags and move away. She describes the voice now. She sounded like a child or a young teen, and she sounded so close, like she was laying in bed next to me. Oh, fuck. fuck. I fucking flipped. I would have got got the fuck out of there, but someone had to feed the animals, so I stayed on the couch in front of the back door with my dog by my side for the rest of the weekend. That's a good idea. Animals are your best defense. Right. So here's the thing. If dogs or animals are freaked out, it's like, run for the hills. But if dog's staying by her side, that's good. Right? Yes. Or is it like protective, like, I'm going to protect you as long as you stay here, you're okay? I mean, you can pretty, dogs are pretty good at communicating their body language. So, like, if a dog is like hyper protective of you or like, like, okay, uh, you can always, so when, when Dan, I don't know, gets too close to me, you can tell mm-hmm. that Gambit is all set to protect me. He like changes his body. 
he's he's pointed at Dan. His back is to me. He like keeps himself between Dan and I. Um, for the record, my husband doesn't hit me or anything, but like Gambit is convinced <laughs> that Dan is the fucking enemy and that Mama must be protected, even though he's a thirteen pound dog. <laughs> but this is the hill he will die on. So. <laughs> I appreciate um, that about I know, Gambit. yeah. Okay. Meatloaf will absolutely. Meatloaf has been terrified before. We have a guy who's building a deck, and Meatloaf saw him for the first time. He's like, "Who the fuck is this stranger in our house?" <laughs> and so, yes. Meatloaf was sitting on my chest uh, at the time that he saw Kuba, the guy who's building our deck, and he puffed up and sprinted out of the room with no thought or care for my health or safety. <laughs> Uh, so like, bye bitch yeah <laughs> so if meatloaf is terrified uh, it could be anything if gambit is terrified <laughs> i'll pay a little bit more attention so that's kind of how it is with my dogs Legit. Yeah. do your dogs Alrighty. try and like get between you and your husband so no because i was the one who rescued darcy the oldest but uh-huh. jessen was the one who like is the alpha and like in some ways, because he cares. They know that he cares more about them than I do. Like, they just oh, know. It's That's, true. like, a horrible thing to say out loud. But it's true. Like, it's also, like, a kind of joke, but still real fear that he loves them more than me. Like, it's... We've talked about it. It's not real, but it's still a fear. Yeah. It's a joke, but not not really. I actually completely not. understand. I know that Dan loves the cat equally that he loves me. So, like, it's yeah. we are neck and neck. We are Ted Cruz well, and Well, and they just O'Rourke. communicate on different levels that I will never be able to communicate with them on. So that's fine. It's fine. Everything is fine. I, but, yeah. I, my only advantage is that I feed the dog off my plate. And so Gambit looks at me like I'm Mother Teresa, who was a garbage human being. Yeah, Margo comes to me for, like, solace when there's thunderstorms, for sure. But it also depends on how much attention I'm showing her lately. Because I'm the type of person where it's, like, if I'm stressed, like, sometimes caring for another thing, human or otherwise, is, like, too much for me to take. Because I can barely take care of myself. So it's more of, like, when I'm stressed, they run away from me. Anyways. I'm going to finish the story because it's yeah. almost over. Sorry. Um, no, I will talk about my dogs for hours. That's why I needed to stop. I love it. The creepiest part about all this to me, a few days later when my friend came over, I played it for her, hoping to get some sort of feedback. She listened to it and went white. When I asked her if she heard the whisper, she said, yes, but also the screaming. Oh. I did not see that until... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That gave okay. me absolute... I feel like there's something watching me now. Can we... Let's okay. wrap this up. I live on a farm now. I don't like it. Yeah. Anyway, I still have the snap. So if you want me to try and send it, yes, you obviously, should send it. Yeah, absolutely. Record it and put it up in the group, please. And also know that I'm not going to watch it. I don't want to watch it either, but I want it to be there. So if I want to, I can. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Report back, Jen. Oh, God. Our phone. Our, okay. And you can see if you hear the whisper or the scream or if I'm just insane. So that's my creepy story. I love listening to your episode, and I hope this story wasn't stupid. P.S. I just joined the Facebook group. Fabulous. And look forward to interacting with you guys and all the other fans. Thanks for reading this long-winded story. It would be cool if it made it to air, but if not, I would still love to hear your thoughts on it. Sophia L. Well, we loved it. We super loved it. Mm -hmm. Post that Snapchat, boo. Yeah, for real. Jesus. All right. I'm like super freaked out. So I want to leave my barn. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Jen, how can people find us on the internet? We are on Twitter at haunted underscore pod. We are on Instagram and Facebook at this podcast is haunted. And you can email us your story at this podcast is haunted at gmail.com. And Laura, uh, send us off. What do we say? Stay spooky, motherfuckers. Fucking oh, right, we do. All right, I'm seriously, I'm like in a rush to leave my barn. So, uh, okay. love you all. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Bye.